0: Hello and welcome, therapists. Today is a part one of a two-part series about email marketing. And in this series, it's just me, Allie, and a couple of special guests. So today, our guest Sheila Miller of Becoming Mighty is going to be discussing welcome sequences within our email campaigns. This is something that I'm a huge proponent of, I think it's helped grow my business by leaps and bounds, and I would love to see you all implementing these strategies in your own practice. So I hope this two-part series that was originally recorded as part of my membership, the Massage Momentum membership, I hope that this two-part series really helps hone some skills and gives you some ideas for ways to market yourself. Align with the Massage Business Mama comes to you with a combined 22-plus years experience in the massage biz as entrepreneurs, providing actionable tips and resources you can implement today. Becca, an off-grid living, quirky, trail-running massage therapist, esthetician, and yogi, offers her business and wellness perspective to you with highly caffeine-fueled, compassionate wit. Allie, your hardworking, driven, creative mom, massage therapist, business owner, lover of friend gatherings, all-time annual family talent show winner, brings her drive and business savvy to every episode. Sheila, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me, Allie.
0: Yeah. So Sheila, I'm just kind of curious. So you were a math professor and somehow you have become the email guru. How, (laughs) how that shift?
1: (laughs) The road's a little bit long. (laughs) So I left my academic position in New York and 2017. I was already writing and editing when I left, but um, I spent some time with my now husband in Central America, and we decided to sort of choose where to live rather than go where there was another academic position, which landed us in spectacularly beautiful uh, northern New Mexico, and I thought, okay, well, now I need to find something else that I enjoy that I will use some of the skills I've spent a lot of time building. And I think one of the things I really like about email in particular is that it has a little bit of a blend of the sort of heartfelt, spontaneous, intuitive in it. So when we're writing to our community, we're really writing to people and we're writing to people that we know and people that we genuinely want to help. So we, there's this real open-hearted service aspect of writing email. And there's also a little bit of an analytical aspect to writing email. Uh, what are the variables that influence what our community responds to and understanding. How to measure and interpret those variables and adjust some of what we're doing without losing the honest, open hearted way of writing. So we don't start writing like, I don't know if you've ever seen any of these softwares, but there are copywriting softwares that claim that they won't write your email copy for
0: you. The artificial intelligence that writes your, right? The artificial
1: intelligence are maybe a maybe a little bit better the ones i'm thinking of are a few years older that are sort of you fill out like this list of you know what are you promising and who are you talking to in these kind of buzzwords and then it gives you like a form
0: okay, email like and it sounds a template
1: yeah and it kind of sounds like you know the people on the street corner holding the sign like Go to the car wash it sounds like one of those people yelling at you kind of chasing you (laughs) around the street yelling at you that's what they sound like okay i recently tried one of the ai ones just for fun to see what could it do yeah and it was interesting it does usually write in complete sentences which was more than i was expecting Uh and the ai knows a lot of things but they're not all true because the ai is designed to be creative uh, okay. I think it's true of all of them. I tried one in particular, but I've looked into how they wrote the mas- machine learning algorithms for each of them. Okay. And they wrote the machine learning algorithms so that the software would produce original content, which means if it tells you that Troy Aikman was the quarterback of the Cowboys in 19, 19- whenever you better double check.
0: Because That's <laughs> so interesting. Cause I would think, I would think just the opposite. I would think that if you had AI writing Emails for you that all of the facts would be fact checked and everything like that.
1: Right. And it's kind of the opposite. But (laughs) it can sometimes, and it can only write a few sentences at a time. It isn't like you can say, dear AI, I'm gonna write, I'm gonna have a special for the month of May for anyone who wants to, you know, book three or more services, write an email. It it can't do that. It starts most of them start repeating themselves or kind of rambling about
0: unrelated things it's so, it's interesting to hear about that because i definitely have seen a lot of advertisements in my feed about hiring ai for email marketing
1: me too and i thought you know i should see what the competition is up to right i mean <laughs> if ai really can write this email for someone in a tenth the time that it takes me and it's just as good i should probably know yeah So I tried to write a couple of blog posts and I tried to write a few emails and I would not yet fire your
0: copywriter. (laughs) (laughs) Good to know. (laughs) So um, you say, you know, AI is your competition. Do you write emails for other people? I do. That's the sort of main portion of my business
1: is writing and editing done for you services for uh, a wide range of companies and that includes email emails yeah
0: i would love for you to share i'm a huge email proponent i've i've been sending a weekly email to my massage clients every week i think i missed one week but every week for years and years and years so i'm a huge proponent of it but i'd love for you to share why others maybe should incorporate that into their business because i think in this age of social media it kind of feels maybe archaic almost. (laughs) Yeah. So there are a lot of reasons.
1: One of them is even though everyone talks about social media, it's actually email that people check first. Almost 60% of people, the first thing they look at in the morning is their email before they check their social media and really before they do anything for a lot of
0: people. They roll over, open their phone, and they look at their email. I do. I'm totally guilty of that. (laughs) I, I hate to admit it, but it is. It's the first thing I do. I don't want to,
1: but I do too. It's right there with my alarm. And so it is a chance to be on someone's mind before anything else, even before the things they seek, like if they choose social media. And as any of us who have advertised on social media before know social media is not a reliable, steadfast friend. <laughs> social media changes their algorithms all the time. So you're constantly trying to catch up with whatever is the new way of doing things. And any people who follow us on social media, I don't see this happening tomorrow, but if Facebook is gone tomorrow, So is our connection with all of those people, Um, same with TikTok or anything else. And email is the only platform that allows us to own and maintain that line of contact with our community. So those are, I think, two of the most important reasons that email is actually in some ways more important than social media.
0: One of the things that I found interesting, I found this statistic that 49% of consumers enjoy receiving emails from companies they frequent, which is kind of shocking to me because I feel like often there's this fear when we send emails like, oh, they're they're going to be annoyed to hear from me or, you know, I just don't want to bug them. I don't want to send too many emails, that type of a mentality.
1: Absolutely. And I think... It does depend a little bit on what kind of emails we send. If I'm opening my email and every single email I get from someone is trying to get me to buy something, for example, then Mm -hmm. I start to get tired of those. But if there's kind of a genuine value in the email. And part of that value is community. If I really feel like I know that business better and have a sense of what's going on in their world. I mean, I love patronizing small businesses and I love hearing about what's going on with them. So if I enjoy a restaurant and they have a new chef, I'd be interested to hear about it. All sorts of things like that. And I think this idea that we're bothering people comes from a real and very normal fear of putting ourselves out
0: there. Yeah. Feeling vulnerable, feeling like we're being seen.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Especially because the best emails are vulnerable, right? Right. The emails that I really enjoy reading are communicating authentically about what's happening in a person or a business's development or life. And in one of my... Email lists. It's for writers, and I write very vulnerable things in that email newsletter. Um, sometimes I can't even believe that I
0: <laughs> write the things that I write. That one, of the, one of the things that cracks me up. So, like I said, I've I've had my email list where I send stuff every week for years, and one of the things that cracks me up is some of my massage clients when they comment on things. And I get embarrassed when they comment on things because I realize that, like you're saying, I've been very vulnerable in my emails (laughs) in a way that I might not be on a one-on-one personal level if it didn't come up organically in conversation. And so sometimes sometimes those moments kind of catch me, which as a massage therapist and kind of having this intimate nature to our work, I think there is kind of a balancing act, especially in different phases of your life. Like if you're going through something really triggering, you know, like a divorce or, um, you know, a a death or something like maybe holding your cards a little bit closer and having some boundaries around that. Um,
1: Absolutely.
0: A little bit of a dance.
1: (laughs) I think there's a feeling that sometimes we have to go sort of all or nothing. Like either we're just writing that kind of formulaic business land copy Mm -hmm. or we're, talking about how we felt when we saw something that reminded us of our grandmother who died of COVID. And that can be appropriate sometimes depending on what we're doing and we might not want to do it. And we get to choose. We're still in control. It's possible to be uh, personal and relatable without being too too open. Yeah. Yeah. So that there are still things left in your life that, People don't know.
0: (laughs) That can be private and should be private. It can be private, yeah. (laughs) So, welcome sequences. Can you share about the importance of that? Absolutely. So, imagine that you
1: are looking around on someone's webpage. You like what you see. You're pretty intrigued. So, you click there, subscribe to my newsletter button. And then you go check your email, and there is nothing there. And you still remember the next day that you subscribed to this person's newsletter. So you check again the next day and there's nothing there. And then about maybe three or four days later, you vaguely remember, but you haven't seen anything from this person or heard anything from this person or this business. And by a week, you probably forgot. You're not looking anymore. You're not like checking your e- email did I hear from this person whose newsletter I subscribed to? And then maybe let's say three weeks later, you get an email, maybe a promotional email. You might not remember the person's name. You yeah. might not remember their business name. You might not remember subscribing to their email list. And you might be pretty annoyed that you never heard from them until they wanted something from you. Nobody wants friends like that, right? Yes. <laughs> so Some surveys have shown that people who subscribe to a newsletter, 74% of people expect to get an email within 24 hours. If I'm going to give you my contact information, I want to know that we have actually now some kind of relationship, a
0: relationship where... I ask you to send me email and you do send me email. Well, and uh, even that you, that you know that there wasn't some glitch in the system yeah. where you didn't get it. But you, that you got it, right?
1: And especially because a lot of people on their uh, websites use things like contact forms, which sometimes get sent to their spam, or they might not even get an email if someone does contact them through their website. I really do want to know, yes, I am on their, on their list. And... By the time someone chooses to subscribe to our newsletter or email list or whatever name you want to use, they have taken a step and said, I'm interested in your business. So it's a great opportunity to give them a chance to know what our business is about. For almost all businesses, the most opened email that they ever send is the first email that they send. So when... I sign up for someone's email newsletter. If instead of waiting three weeks to send me a promotional email, they email me right away and they say, Hey, thank you so much for signing up for my email newsletter. I'm really glad that you're here. Here's what you're going to get. And this is what it's kind of what my business is about. Our email relationships are just like all of our other relationships. We have harmonious relationships with our email contacts when we have clear expectations and a mutually beneficial relationship. So having that welcome sequence is kind of some steps after that first email that make a few specific points with our email contacts that really give them a chance to know, am I in the right place? Because if they're not, then that's fine. They don't need to stay, right? Like there's we actually don't get like any sort of magical universe points for every name on our email list. That doesn't happen. (laughs) So if someone doesn't really want to be there, that's fine. And a welcome sequence is a way to establish the beginning of a relationship with a person. And different welcome sequences have different goals depending on what it is that we're doing in our business right now. A goal of a welcome sequence might be to convince someone that we write wonderful, engaging emails and they want to open them. A goal of our welcome sequence might be for some people who maybe if I have a brick and mortar business, like a massage therapy business, the goal of my welcome sequence might be to invite someone to book an appointment and begin an in-person relationship with me. So my welcome sequence would be designed to help them take a little step toward knowing what that kind of relationship would be like and hopefully convincing them to give it a try
0: and she can we just back up just a second so i would say that in my industry in the massage industry that it's not as common on websites to have a joint email button like it is in some other industries so um, first of all, I'm just curious, do you suggest, as a massage therapist, creating a join my email list button on someone's website?
1: That depends. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if that person planned to actually email them regularly, like you do, then that might make sense for you. And, but it does depend on who you email when you email them every week. Are you emailing really only clients in your local area that you see in person? If so, then maybe people who are three states over wouldn't get the same kind of value from being on your email list. Maybe instead, it would be better for your email list to just be people who have visited you in person or responded to some marketing or advertisement that you've done and are interested in seeing you in person. It depends on what you want to do. Yeah. So I think we often want there to be just like a path. <laughs> Someone tell me what to do, and I will do it. Yeah. But the answer is, it really depends on what you want to do. If you want to sell an online course of self massage videos, then sure, uh, it would. It could potentially make sense to try and get people from all over on your email list, as long as someone wanted to actually email them regularly with content that was valuable to them.
0: Is there? Do you know of any way to filter? Like if I, you know, I have my local brick and mortar massage business and I somehow can filter it so that only people who are within a certain geographical region could get on the email list. Like, like if I had a, You know, join my email list, and people were joining from all over the country or all over the world. And I said, I only want people within this geographical region to get this welcome sequence that I'm sending or to get on my email list.
1: So you can generally see the um, location of IP addresses that are connecting to the internet when signing up for your email. Mm -hmm. Now, I would recommend that you and everyone else access the internet. Is, There's is a little bit of "do as I say, and not as I do" here okay. happening right now, but uh, through a VPN, a virtual private network, because some years ago Congress decided to allow your internet service provider to sell the information that of what you use the internet for to companies. So, in mm-hmm. order, that's
0: how, to- that's how targeted ads know exactly what to target me.
1: (laughs) That is one of the ways. Yes. Um, that your internet service provider sells what you do on the internet to companies who want to know what to sell you. Uh So if someone is using a VPN, then they might look like they are not in your local area, but you could also use a form that asks them where they're from. Um, or even just, are they in this area with a tick box? Um, and then you could segment your list based on whether they say yes or no. And you could decide what you wanted to do after that. Like if they said no, you could write them and say, hi, everything I write is Geared towards directed toward people <laughs> in this area. Um, the town I live in is a tourist town. So there are lots of people who are here one to three months a year. So Depending on your market, you might want to let people who live three states away, who do come to your area a few weeks or a few months, a year, and would likely get a massage from you while they're there. That's part of what they're doing there. You might want to let those people be on your list. So it would be kind of a strategic decision. What what were you going to use your email list for and what kinds of communications did you want to have with them? And yes, you could um, sort them in your well, it depends on your email service provider.
0: I feel like most, most email service providers have that function where you can kind of tag your audiences and have different categories.
1: Yeah. I would
0: recommend using one
1: that did. And most of them do at this point.
0: Um, Okay. So potentially someone might have a join my email list on their massage therapy website or the people who are coming in for a welcome sequence are existing clients that have already had some sort of an interaction with their therapist.
1: Yes. And even without the join now button on a website, if I go see a new clinician of some sort and a new provider, like a new massage therapist, and they do use email, it's not uncommon to get only things like rate me, on this app or that app. Here's your receipt. But personally, I might kind of like it if my massage therapist sent me an email saying, Hey, it's spring. Here are some things that a lot of people experience in the spring. And here are a couple of things you can do.
0: Yeah. Self-care okay. tips or exactly. stretching routines, yep. or like I have, I have one email that I send out. I feel like I send it out every year and it's about how to properly shovel so that you don't injure yourself.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly like that, right? Um, And it would mean that I would feel like I had an ongoing relationship with you. I would still see your name when I wasn't actually seeing your face. I would still be getting information from you. And I would come to see you as a resource all the time. And you'd be kind of right at the top of my mind. I mean, maybe I would even think, oh, I should get a massage because you were already on the top of my mind. Not just a matter of competing with other massage therapists, but competing with other modalities, competing with time scarcity, competing with the challenge sometimes of letting us do, uh, ourselves do things that are good for us,
0: mm-hmm.
1: all of those sorts of things. And most of us like to have Uh, to build relationships with people that we already have
0: relationships with easier for us. Yeah. So in a welcome sequence, how many emails do you recommend people create in this sequence? And, you know, you automate it.
1: Excellent question. So yes, definitely automate it. So whatever your email service provider, any of them worth their title email service provider can uh, have automations so that when someone new comes to your list, you can, that either that does or doesn't satisfy certain conditions. Like maybe you don't want to send an existing client whose email you just got, but they've been your client for 10 years. A, it's so nice to meet you. Um, I can't wait to have the chance to meet you in person email because they're going to be like, Hmm, (laughs) something's off here. Something's off. So you do want to check which, what funnels people into the automation, but absolutely it's best to use an automation. Yeah. We all have plenty of things to do in our time and like scan our email service provider for new contacts and manually add them to automations is definitely not what we want to be doing. The right number, like with so many things in business, there's no magic number. That if your welcome sequence has five, everything's gonna be great. And if it has four or six, no way. I would say often between three and seven, it really does depend on what you're trying to do, um, what your goal is. Like if you if the goal is to get a person to book a discounted first session, for example, like maybe you met people at a networking event and you're trying to get them in the door of your brick and mortar place. That's probably going to take more than three emails, usually, unless they've already decided they wanted to do it in the very beginning. The reason there's no magic number is that each of the emails should actually do something. Mm -hmm. Every email we send, we should have a goal for sending that email. And the goal doesn't need to be someone gives me money. In fact, the goal should almost never be someone gives me money, but the goal might be at the end of reading this email, a person knows how to not hurt themselves shoveling, yeah, um, <laughs> or remembers how to not hurt themselves shoveling. Yeah. So that's the goal of that email. And we write best when we know what we're writing and why. Like in that case, how to not hurt yourself while shoveling. So in a welcome sequence, each email has a specific goal. You're we're trying to help. Our new contacts learn something about us or learn something about our business or share with them some content that we think will actually be useful for them to demonstrate hey, look, I am good at what I do. (laughs) I do know what I'm talking about. And here.
0: And and I'm relatable. And and I'm relatable. I'm someone that you could feel comfortable coming in and sharing what's bothering you in your body and what's. Happening emotionally with you, like I'm a safe place, and exactly. Another thing that I just want to touch on: you mentioned going to networking events and maybe creating an el- a welcome sequence around people that are kind of cold, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some rules around permissions for emailing. Can Can we talk just briefly about that? Yes. So I'm guessing our
1: your listeners. Primarily in the United States? Primarily U.S. based, yes. Okay. And maybe for the context of this discussion, I'll just assume that no one is marketing to anyone in the European Union. So different rules for people in the EU, um, if you want to look it up, it's called GDPR uh, and is basically slightly more strict privacy rules than we have in the United States. But... The sort of common sense way of thinking about it is that never show up at anyone's house if they don't want you there. (laughs) So (laughs) we don't want to show up in anyone's email box, the inbox that doesn't want us there. So there are a few big, big no-nos, like never, ever buying an email list. Um, Most people now know that that's not okay, but there's still some very sketchy companies that try to pretend it is okay. It's not okay. Okay. You do need the consent of each person that you email to email them. So, if you're at a networking event and collecting emails, then, for example, you would want it to be very clear in collecting the emails what you're collecting them for and what you plan to do with them. And then, uh, part of that building a harmonious relationship is setting clear expectations, which is something a welcome sequence can do. And then kind of playing by the rules that we make in our own email relationship. So it's not okay to say uh, that I want someone's email as a person. Like it wouldn't be okay for say you, say you and I met at a small business luncheon and we were talking about something and I wanted uh, to send you something as a person. And you gave me your email as a person.
0: Like I wanted to know your hairdresser.
1: Yep. Yep. I cannot email you from my business account, Business Things. You didn't give me permission. Uh, So that is in those in-person events, something to be careful of. To be very clear on, like if you're using a form, you can segment your list right away from the very beginning and ask people what they want to hear from you about. Like, do they want to hear about just your newsletter? Do they want to hear about workshops and courses, if you offer workshops and courses? Do they want to hear about discounts and promotions? And then you can only put people on the parts of your list that they ask to be on. By can, I mean it is possible to do that, not that the law says you have to do that. And that can help some people get the content they actually want, which helps your email subscribers be happier when they kind of get to set some of the parameters of the relationship that they have when they are interested in one thing and they're not interested in another, when they only get email about the thing they're actually interested in. So I want to circle back and make sure that that did address the question
0: you had. I think so. Yeah. I think, you okay. know, there's implied consent and there's expressed consent and like,
1: I would go after. with express consent only.
0: However, in, in massage businesses, like if someone books an appointment with us, we've captured their email, they have books that would be implied
1: So many like massage therapy businesses and other kinds of, you know, acupuncture clinics, things like that have on their booking forms, um, a little checkbox that says like, would you like to get weekly emails with self-care and biomechanics tips or something like that? I do think it's a little bit trickier when in that case, a person gave their email, maybe not necessarily because they wanted to, but because they had to in order to book. And that person might be more likely to mark a message as spam if they didn't actually ask for it because they did ask to be on an email. I mean, they asked to get email
0: from you, but not marketing email. The appointment reminders. They asked to have, you know, the booking confirmation Right. And most likely, they didn't ask for any of that.
1: Most likely, a person's using a software that requires them to have it. Right. So I do think sometimes when, especially when we're sort of the phrases like building a list, we feel like we want like every email. And it's hard to remind ourselves sometimes that we don't actually want to send email to
0: people who don't want the email. Because in in large part, because that affects our deliverability rate and which affects how many people actually see our message.
1: Yes. And it affects my feeling when I sit down to write an email that I don't want to bother them feeling. If I know that 30% of the people on my list don't actually didn't really want to hear from me, they're just kind of like stuck there, then I'm going to have that feeling a lot more than if I've segmented my list so that those people can still get booking appointment reminders but they're not getting the newsletter. When I sit down to write the newsletter, I don't have the, I don't really want to do this because I'm sending people things they don't want feeling because I'm not sending people things they don't want. I asked them and the ones that said no, that's fine. I honored that request. They said no, which means everyone who's left is there because they want to be.
0: I like that. And I I think it's really great that you addressed the idea too in the beginning that we're just like trying to get any email we can because- I think that is, you and I were talking about this earlier, that, you know, there is sometimes a scarcity mindset of just trying to get anything that we possibly can, but in the long run, that isn't going to serve us as well. So
1: definitely not. And as you mentioned, the people who don't really want to be there are the ones who do things like click unsubscribe, or maybe they do want to still see you. So they don't unsubscribe because they're afraid they're not going to get their next appointment reminder and then they're going to have some, you know, $50 cancellation fee plus miss their massage. But then they just never open any of your emails.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, big tech is they won't publish the algorithms they use to prioritize sending, but they do use things like how many people open your email to decide where to send your email to the inbox or the promotions box,
0: mm-hmm.
1: whether to deliver it to spam, whether to, and like spam the folder where you really don't want to be, right? Mm-hmm. And Definitely. the more people who are on our list who are in that coerced state, the higher the chances that that's where our email is going to end up.
0: Do you encourage in your emails, do you encourage your list to whitelist you to prevent it from going to spam?
1: Usually in the first email or second, somewhere around there, I feel like most people sort of know what to do now. So I don't, I'm not sure, honestly, that it makes a very big difference.
0: <laughs> oh, really? You don't think it, you don't think it matters? You think it's- I don't know if it matters. I,
1: it's not that I think it doesn't matter. Um, it's that I, I feel like at this point, so many people know that they might do it on their own if they want to, uh-huh. or they might do what I do which is, for example, while making up my mind, I might slide a business's email on over to promotions, the sort of, I'll read it if and when I have time tab. And then if I like it, maybe I'll move it back to the inbox. I do think there are some people who don't know why they're not getting emails and it isn't a bad idea.
0: Yeah, and I feel like I, I feel like I still hear people say like, oh man, I, I, I don't know why I didn't get your email. I, but- I don't
1: use the word whitelist. Um, okay. The words whitelist and blacklist have gone a little bit out of favor in. Okay. Um, You're educating
0: me here. <laughs> it,
1: I think it's something that's so much a part of how we've been saying things for a long time that it's easy to not see any kind of meaning or connotation uh-huh. behind it. And I actually don't know the origin of the words. I should maybe look it up. But. I think the sort of general idea that being on the white list is good and being on the blacklist black is, black is, is an idea we don't want to reinforce. Right. So yeah. we're done with that idea. That idea is not something we want to perpetuate. So changing the language to yeah. so that. Sure, what
0: would you call it?
1: Um, inbox. Yeah. Okay. To to make sure you get my emails delivered to your inbox so you actually see them, please add my email to your list of approved senders. Uh huh or just slide this email over to your inbox tab if you use Gmail or something like that. Uh Another thing about that particular question is just like we want each email to have one goal, in service to that, we only ever want to ask the person we're writing to to do one thing. Yeah, so I don't know if you've ever received an email from someone that is like, and what about this, and what about that, and could you do this, and how about that, and if you don't do that, then could you do this, and like by the time you get to the end, The email, like, what do you actually want me to do? That's the opposite of how we want our contacts to feel. We want them to know exactly what it is that we're hoping they'll do. And maybe they'll be interested in doing it, and maybe they won't. And every once in a while I do break this rule. Like every once in a while I give them more than one option. And I usually acknowledge to them, I, I know I'm giving you more than one option. Like, but what it means is that we have much less influence over which option they're going to choose. And I mean, I break other copywriting rules too. Like in general copywriting, people say to never link to any resource you don't own. Mm. Um, But I do. I link to videos and songs and articles that I don't own because I like them and find them interesting.
0: Well, And and I mean, in the context of this conversation, like if it's providing value to your massage clientele, you know, that's furthering that relationship with them to where they're going to know and like and trust you and want to be seeing you.
1: And even though the copywriting rule says never send anything outside that you don't own. I feel like the common sense human relationship rule says that if I only ever send it to my own things, I look less invested in the people I'm talking to then if I'll send them whatever I think is going to help them the most, whether
0: it's mine or someone else's. So that's what I do. Yeah, I like that. Any other thoughts about what to include in a welcome sequence?
1: So again, it does depend on the goal of the welcome sequence, but I think a few places to start are, in the case of massage therapy, if a person has specializations, I would like to know what those are, but probably not as a list, right? I don't want an email with like a bulleted list, but I might like to know why my massage therapist who chose to specialize in sports therapy massage or craniosacral or maternity care, like what caused them to do that? Why, why, why are they interested in what they're interested in? Because then I'm going to not only remember what they do, but I'm going to feel like I know a little bit more.
0: And a big it. a big thing that you're into is creating stories too, right? Yes. So if you're creating a list, it's not very compelling in the way that the <laughs> <No>. story is.
1: <laughs> and our minds just aren't as good at remembering. Well, most of our minds aren't as good at remembering lists as stories and we stories are how we talk to each other about our day they're how we envision what life might be like for other people they're how we envision what life might be like for ourselves in the future so stories are a really palatable way for us to assimilate information and they're usually more engaging Um, that's another thing if you've been sending email for a long time which you have been some of the things you can put in your welcome sequence are examples of what it's like to get email from you. You can tell them, like, this is an email. This is my like most forwarded email, or this is the email I've sent that received the most replies, or whatever. Which will give them a real tangible example of what it's like to be on your email list. And then if they read it and they're like, "Huh," then <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wish, I wish for those of us, who, those of you guys who are listening later, I wish you guys could see Sheila's face right now. <laughs> She's like. <laughs> Got this great skeptical look on her face. (laughs) Yes, not a poker player, me. Um,
1: (laughs) Then they're going to know this is not quite the place for me. And that's fine. Right. Like we don't make the best possible party by inviting everyone we've ever met. Some people don't want to be there, and that's okay. But when the people that do resonate with you and do love reading your email, they're going to see those emails and think, okay, I'm in. Like when the next one comes, I'm going to open that one too. If you don't have any other goal in mind for your welcome sequence at the beginning, then choose the goal, have them open your next email.
0: That's the goal. Can I ask you something that's just more related to writing emails in general and less related to the welcome sequence? Absolutely. So some weeks I have more time. I have more inspiration. I am feeling more creative and my emails are like on point and I get tons of responses because people really resonated with it. And people will, you know, walk up to me at the grocery store and comment on the email that I sent. And other times it's like, I don't have time. I'm, I'm brain dead. You know, my son was, you know, screaming when I was trying to, whatever the case was is. And it's like, my emails are really short and just not that great. And my belief and the way that i have always looked at an email list is that consistency is the most important piece. so i would rather have some emails be not quite as good and still have that consistent every monday the email comes out and just my audience knows every monday they're going to get an email from me than have the not sending it and having you know, gaps of time and always having the emails be really stellar. Do you think that that strategy is spot on, spot on? Okay. Yeah. Um,
1: Now, of course I myself have had occasional gaps too, where something happens and I miss a week or something like that. But I think in the, to continue the metaphor of relationship building I don't know if you've ever had a friend who's like absent 90% of the time and then kind of over the top 10% of the time. It's very hard to have a relationship with that person. You never know what you're going to get. It's, you don't count on them at all. Like maybe you're going to get the over the top response, but probably you're going to get nothing. I think it's much, much better to do exactly what you're doing and show up as much as you can when you can. But Honor the commitment that you've made by setting forth that expectation that you're going to be there for them. And sometimes it's going to be fantastic. And other times it's going to be
0: meh. <laughs> B plus. <laughs> <laughs> B plus. That's, that's maybe generous. I've definitely sent some that were in kind of C. <laughs>
1: okay. Well, I didn't want to go there if that
0: wasn't true.
1: <laughs> but I think. Even when you do send the emails that are C, like I'm guessing the people on your email list probably know you have a son. For sure, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they just have a sense of how your life is going, right? Yep. Even if you don't say in there, my son has an ear infection in each ear, like e- even if that's not written, they're kind of like, oh, okay. This yep. week is, and that's okay, right? They, You don't have to be, it's not the circus. You don't have to perform the same act every time. Yeah. And you are more relatable and more authentic when you just do what you can do. Yeah. And it sounds like you have a fabulous email list.
0: I, 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 I'm I kind of proud of my email list. So it started when I first started it, I think it was 2008 or 2009. Maybe it was 2009. And I had 43 people on the list and then it grew and, It's kind of fluctuated a little because my business has morphed and changed, but right now it's like right around 700 and I get around like a 35% open rate. So um, I hope
1: all of your listeners are on your email list.
0: I think it's a different email list for (laughs) different email list. So I also have more than one email list, which is, um, can be hard to juggle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I, I just attribute my email list to so much of my business growth and my business success and, you know, and it, it doesn't cost anything other than my time. And for my massage business, I use a service provider that doesn't charge me anything. It's a free service. Um, but I still have the ability to segment my list and create these welcome funnels. And, and it's able to link to different things so that it automatically, sends people things. And I mean, I just, I think hands down, it's the number one way that I've grown my business.
1: It sounds like you have a really strong intuition for building relationships in general and building relationships through emails, more building relationships, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that that's the ultimate goal with it. As massage therapist, I really do. I think it's about continuing that relationship, It's about increasing that trust factor. It's about showing up, you know, as you were talking about the friend who, you know, isn't there 90% of the time and then is there and like goes all out 10% of the time. Like that isn't what we want our clients to be feeling. That isn't how we want them to be looking at us. We want them to be looking at us. Like I am a reliable source of your healthcare team. I'm a reliable resource for you to come. If you're in pain, I am here. I'm consistent. I'm there for you.
1: Yeah. And even on the weeks when you can't write like the coolest thing you've ever written, you can still send like the email equivalent of the text message that says, just want you to know, I'm thinking about you. Hope you're having a good day. Yeah. like I'm still here. You're still
0: here. Yeah. Let's not forget about each other. Exactly. Let's not forget about each other. I just kind of had this thought. Anything else about staying out of those spam folders that you can share?
1: Ah yes, there are um certain words that if you use them a lot will signal to email providers that you're not having a one like a person-to-person relationship. You're having like a promotion relationship. So I think the number one way to stay out of the spam folder is to only email people who actually want you to email them. Okay. And of course, it's, um, it's a law that, so maybe I should have mentioned this before, anyone on your email list has to have a way to get off of your email list. They have to be able to unsubscribe. So the free provider that you use, at least the one I think you use, and any other email service provider includes at the bottom of every single email an unsubscribe link. Now, you can also in many service providers with a little bit of effort, change that to a man. You can't change it. You have to keep that one. You can also add a manage preferences option where they can say, I still wanna hear about workshops, but I don't wanna hear about courses or whatever the options that you've put in there are. Mm -hmm. The more you can segment your list to be sending people email they want and not sending people email they don't want, the more they'll open your email, the less likely they will be to report your email as spam and the overall healthier and more rewarding your email list will be. And you can look up these lists of words of things to uh, to avoid. Yeah, and I mean, of course, like every once in a while, if you're doing a free workshop, you say you're doing a free workshop, right? But if every email you send has some of these like words like free in it, and there are other- Yeah. And some of it's even typographical. Like if you always put subject headings in all caps, this doesn't happen as much as it did a couple of years ago, but it suggests that you're not emailing your friends. Nobody talks to their friends like that.
0: My dad does. (laughs) It was funny earlier when you were talking about, you know, there's these ways that we communicate with each other and you can tell who it is. I was like, oh, my dad, like all of his emails are like all caps like incomplete sentences, like one or two sentences.
1: (laughs) So he has his voice nailed, right? Like you would know exactly who he was and you never have to guess.
0: (laughs) How do people find you if they want to learn more about you, if they just want to learn more about working with you or what it is that you have to offer? They could visit
1: my website, which is becomingmighty.com. Or they could send me a message on Instagram at mighty.content.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you again for joining us today. Thank you so much for listening. And please reach out to us if you have any questions or topics you would like covered. We love suggestions. Find us at www.alignwiththemassagebusinessmama.com. Also, we wouldn't hate it if you were inclined to share or review our episode. Until next time, stay healthy, massage therapists.